Hello and welcome to another episode of Side Control Synopsis. Yes, we are back and yeah, we're going to talk about probably the most anticipated show of the year, which is UFC 259. And it was an interesting one to say the least. And to discuss the show, uh, I'm joined by the one and only Nathan Greenaway. Nathan, how are you? Um, good, thank you. How are you? I am fantastic. So, um, okay, a question before we even get into the show. So, you have seen a few UFC shows like, in the last few months. And from a non-fan's perspective, what's the one takeaway? What's the one thing that you've noticed so far that like really stands out to you? Uh, I don't know, really. They, they all start to feel that they all just kind of blur into one. At some point, apart from the uh, the the Conor McGregor one, right, that felt kind of like a bigger deal, whereas the rest of them kind of haven't to an extent. Like I don't think there was much hype, uh, like from a non non fans perspective. There was a bit of hype for the main event because one of the guys was like undefeated or something. Yeah, uh, but now he's not anymore. So I guess that's that done. Spoilers. Uh, Yes, spoilers. Uh, but I don't know. They kind of just all begin to blur a little bit. Like right. they try, they try and give backstory as, as best they can. Um, but like they don't really, they they try and do backstory. But their main thing is if someone's got a kid, they'll just mention that a hundred times. It's like. <laughs> Uh, like hey, talking about the co-main event because Tad's the yeah, one. Yeah, they had the lady who just had a kid, and that's she's just had a kid, and I was like, "Well, the kid's not in the cage." Like, I don't see. <laughs> she, like he, the, the kid was like, in the cage for a bit, but yeah, it's like the, the Roy Keane thing where they asked him if Robbie Keane's gonna be at the Island match after he just had a kid, and he was like, "Well, he didn't have the kid." So it's like, um, yeah. So, yeah, but so if someone's got a kid, they'll they'll be sure to mention that, but. I was like, it feels fine. They try their best. It feels like they try and every time they try and hype someone up so far, they've lost. <laughs> so I guess maybe they're yeah. just on a bad run where they're just really trying to get behind someone and then they're like, oh, they lost. Damn it. Like basically, we'll try again, yeah, it's basically there are a few guys who the audience have bought into and Dana knows that those are the money fights. You have Adesanya, you have Connor. And when you see these fighters lose, it's like, there you go. So, yeah, it's been a tough few months for Mr. White because the fighters he wants to see win. Because let's be honest, even as a promoter, you do want to see the fighters that make you the most money win. Uh, Yeah, they have not done great. So, yeah, (laughs) it's interesting you say that because I I, I do get why you say that it starts to feel the same, but... It might be because you don't really know the like, like the scene, like the MMA scene in terms of uh, the contendership. You know what what fight matters, what doesn't. You know, I think if you kind of watch for a while, you kind of get a better idea. And maybe the fights that don't really need a lot of hype or do, uh, don't get a lot of hype because, well, if it's a, a rank number fourteen guy fighting. But at the end of the day, that ranked number 14 guy is doing well. So you know that soon after, like in a couple of fights, he'll be fighting in the top five and might be in contendership. I think so I do think it's a bigger image, and I don't think the UFC really know how to illustrate that. And I think that is a bit of an issue, so I get that. Um, but yeah, there you go. So now I guess we can start with the main card. And before we do that, uh, this is just, uh, I just want to say it. Dominic Cruz was on the pre-show, which is like who is one of my favorite fighters, and he won. So I'm happy that he won because again, this was more of a tune-up fight for him. But uh, you need a tune-up fight. He was coming back after a long time. I mean, he had a loss last year, and I think this was his first win in what three years. So it's it's a long time, but glad to see him back in the winning column. And yeah, let. I think you can do do some cool stuff with him in that division, especially uh, what happened in the third to last fight. Uh, but we'll get to that. On to the main card. And we start off with uh, Alexander Rakic versus Thiago Santos. 
this fight was supposed to be or was touted to be this basically basically a slobber knocker fight where these two will just go at it just go for the knockout and like because they ha- i think it's pretty funny because they faced Jimmy Manoa both these guys and both of them knocked that dude out in spectacular fashion so going into this fight it was it was going to be exciting and like what a way to kick off the show which is already going to be incredible and it just seemed like both of them were very cautious and the entire fight was just them trying to make sure they don't get hit with one of those rockets and that was it and uh, Rakic ended up winning the fight which I think was fair um, and yeah he also got the jiu-jitsu brown belt I think even though he didn't really use a lot of jiu-jitsu but yeah that that was that was the first fight what are your thoughts on that yeah I don't remember remember it being particularly exciting but I remember it being built up like they were like are oh, these guys just gonna go nuts because last time I can't remember even remember who was in the fight but last time the opening fight was like super fast paced and uh this one yeah they both just seemed like they were a little bit scared uh, to really go for it so it felt like a bit of a letdown uh in the end i was quite annoyed that we didn't get to see uh like much jiu-jitsu as well yeah it for, was which one was it santos who's a jiu-jitsu guy no it's a racket oh, is a jiu-jitsu guy and they kept mentioning it and i was like well, he's not doing any jiu-jitsu <laughs> so this isn't like there seems to be a massive like commentator's curse in the year six, whenever they say something, the other thing happens. Because we had it with the lady last time, where they were like, oh, she's such a good wrestler. But then she was like, turned out to be amazing at boxing. <laughs> it keeps making them like, look like they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, I don't know. I can't, don't really remember much about the fight other than it was just a bit boring. It's like that book, whenever you watch like a big boxing match and they one of them will go to punch and then the, one of them just hug the other one. And so the ref has to break it up. It just kept feeling a bit like that, if you've not seen it. But like, oh, they're going to go for it, but then they both back away. Yeah, I think both of them were very cautious. And There were some good like body kicks from yeah. Big Santos. Like, he kept yeah. going for it, but they got blocked pretty easily. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think Santos put in maybe a more... I don't know if it's a more efficient performance. I think more efficient would be Rakic. But yeah, it was a close fight. And, yeah, I don't think there's much to talk about in this fight. It was, it was a good result. But if you want to set yourself as the next contender, I don't think it was a great fight. Uh, because both these guys would be up there in contendership. Because, right, it's uh, Jan Bohovic who was there in the main event. He won. And he is the champion. He is going to take on, in, the, in most probability, Glover Teixeira in his next fight, which is fair. But... If you want to be the next guy, and you had to kind of do more, I, in my opinion, to kind of make yourself stand out, or even place yourself ahead of Glover Teixeira. But that didn't really happen. I think Rakic should be the next guy after Glover Teixeira. Whoever wins that fight goes up against him. Um, Thiago Santos is on a bad run. I think he had that loss to John Jones, and the, then he had an injury in that fight. So it's not going well for him. So hopefully he bounces back as well. Yeah, but yeah, that's it. Just seemed yeah. to be it was like a fight from distance, like the entire time. They were just like keeping each other's like, arms length. Yeah, the entire right. time, which isn't very exciting. So I'm sure Dana White will be like, "Yeah, you're not going to get that title fight because you're boring." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what he said. Probably. But yeah, considering Rakic was the stand-up fighter, even the entire brown belt thing was kind of weird. But yeah, why did they feel the need to bring that up? Bring what up? Like he's he's just got his brown belt. Yeah. Or something from his gym. Yeah, like he did. Yeah, but I don't, I don't feel like it's a very interesting thing to bring up. No, but I I know like. Again, you're like we're not fighters, but for fighters, that is a huge thing. And for them, it's almost like a rite of passage. Okay, here you if go. If it's like a black belt, then yeah, be like, oh, it's a jiu-jitsu black belt. But brown belt, I feel like you're going to have a lot of people Googling where brown belt ranks. 
If he's like a black belt, if he's like a jujitsu master, that feels like cool. You're gonna be like, oh shit, it's a jujitsu master. If it's like, oh, it's a jujitsu brown belt, you're like, oh, oh. cool. <laughs> so he's he's relatively good at jujitsu. It's <laughs> from like a, a a hyping something up thing. I just feel like brown belt. It's not an interesting color, and it just doesn't make me think. Oh, cool, he's wicked good at jujitsu. It makes me think. Oh, okay, he's fine at jujitsu. Right. right interesting take on that but right so props to alexander rakic for picking up the win we move on to the next fight which is in the lightweight division between islam mahashev versus jude dober um islam mahashev is like he trains with habib Nurmagomedov, and he's part of yeah, I think he's part of AKA, which is one of the most, uh, you know, Ill- like historic gyms when it comes to uh, MMA. And again, Habib was in his corner. And we knew, we've seen his wrestling be sublime. And going into this fight, Drew Dober was going to be the guy who could take that on because he's a very tenacious fighter and this could have been I, I don't know I think people really expected a lot from Drew Dober well I kind of didn't because I kind of knew what was going to happen you could you could tell because I, I don't know I had a feeling that yes Islam Hashem would dominate as he did and yeah there were moments where um, Dober was getting his shots in was able to defend takedowns but, yeah, it just felt like, you know, there was a difference in class there. And, yeah, the, a beautiful submission near the end. Because he wasn't even on the right side. He was, like, he was on the other side, basically near side control. And, yeah, he got the squeeze and that was it. Uh, Islam Hashev was declared the winner. Thoughts in that fight? Uh, yeah, it was super grapply. You say you had the Khabib guy uh, was just like completely out wrestling him and just choked him out. So from like an entertainment standpoint, uh, which is kind of, I guess why I'm on this podcast, I guess watch the last like 30 seconds if you want to see a guy get choked out. Uh, but the rest of it, it's kind of like uh, if you're a wrestling fan, it's kind of like they've got a new toy. So they put him up against like a random jobber guy. That's kind of what it felt like. Like no one gave this guy any, any, any hope. And um, I guess it was a, it was another excuse for him to just say uh, Khabib's name a bunch of times, and uh, yeah, he choked the guy out. It looked it looked, the choke looked really cool, but for a lot of it, if you're not like super into wrestling, you're kind of just watching two guys like awkwardly hug for ages, interesting. and like one of them Very trying to get like one of them like they're both doms, so they're fighting for control. That's kind of where it is. Like, and, oh uh, my yeah. god! Then he just like that's kind of what it looked like. Then he just choked the guy out, and uh, you could see he was getting choked out for ages because the camera like panned around, had a really good shot of him like just going a funny color. So I was there like, oh, okay, this is done. This is done. Okay, ref, it's over. <laughs> like, and then they then they finally got off him. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's gonna be. He's he. They were certainly building him up, so which means he's probably gonna lose his next fight. But there we go. I mean. I mean, his. I think he's. I think he moved up to twelve in the rankings, and yeah, but the rankings don't mean shit. <laughs> they they kind of don't, but they kind of do. They kinda if don't. they need to, if Khabib doesn't come back, you know this guy's gonna like get rocketed up because they get an excuse to say his name, and maybe Khabib will be in the crowd at some point. Yeah, and then you could do like Master versus Apprentice. You said at some point. in the crowd at some point. He was his coach. He was there. Yeah, but like you could get him, you could get him more, so you get him on camera even more. So he's going to be there a lot more, and then you could like tempt him. If this guy gets like a load more wins and is undefeated, you could you could try and like be like, hey guys, let's do a master versus apprentice fight. Let's start I'll jabbing you, back and forth. I'll tell you what they're doing. I, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think that's how they work. But uh, even though the US, UFC might push for it, I don't think that happens. But what they are going for is. Uh, Mahashev called out Tony Ferguson. Now, Tony Ferguson, I, I think you didn't like him at all when he fought the last, like, against Charles Oliveira, I think, on the first was he, card. Was he the old guy who was rubbish? 
No, no, he wasn't. Uh, he was, uh, yeah, never mind. He was in the first show we recorded. But, um, yeah, basically, Tony Ferguson was supposed to face Habib, and that fight was supposed to happen five times, and it got canceled each time for some reason or the other. And it was like, that's just never going to happen. Even though both of them, like, like that fight is the, the fight people wanted to see for so long. But then, yeah, just things moved on. So Mahashev is saying, let me face Tony Ferguson with Habib basically in his corner. And if Tony Ferguson wins, and we know how Tony Ferguson will be if he wins, I guess that may be the reason why Habib may come out of retirement. Who knows, you know? Maybe that's the kind of impetus he needs. But I don't think Tony Ferguson can beat uh, Mahashev. Um, But yeah, good performance from Mahashev. uh, Mahashev. That's what you kind of expect from him. And... Yeah, beautifully done. And if you're into MMA, wrestling, then please give that a watch because it's sublime. Just watch how a guy who basically is a very good fighter get basically dominated, like dominated by someone like Mahashev. So, yeah, that was that was fun to watch. Um, but that was basically like, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to say, it was like an appetizer. Yeah, you know what? It was an appetizer because appetizers are good as well. You know, everyone enjoys a good appetizer. And then we get into the crux of things because the last three fights are all title fights. The third one is, well, I mean, the next fight that we're going to discuss is the most controversial one because there's a lot to talk about, which is Jan versus Aljamain Sterling. Um, we all know Jan is an absolute monster. And, I mean, the way he beat Uriah Faber, the way he beat Jose Aldo, it was dominant. And we kind of expected uh, Sterling to maybe take the fight to the ground. or Because you do get an aura of unpredictability when it comes to Sterling. But... Which I think you could see glimpses of in this fight. But I think for the most part, I think you'd kind of agree that um, I think Jan was dominating. He was in control. He knew what he was doing. Whenever you would see Sterling go for like a spinning back fist or whatever, I think you could see that Jan was telegraphing everything. He was, you know, he was basically in control. And... In the third round, you could see it was basically going Jan's way. That, okay, at this point, uh, Sterling was tired. He was on the ground. He was a downed opponent. The referee told Jan that that's a downed opponent. And we just saw a devastating knee, which is basically illegal. And yeah, Aljamain Sterling went down. He was basically out, and for some reason, the referee was like, I'm going to ask the guy who's basically concussed to make the decision of whether this fight goes on, which is very stupid. You are the referee. Make the decision there. But the doctor came in. It was all very weird because Aljamain Sterling basically just laid down, but it was like, it's over at this point. And yeah, the referee called for the fight to end. Jan was disqualified, and that's the first time the champion has lost his belt due to disqualification. What are your thoughts on the entire sequence? Yeah, Jan was uh, was like killing him basically, and right. uh, yeah, he he had to fight one, which yeah. was so it was a really weird thing to do. And uh, I saw there was a load of stuff where it was like apparently oh his corner told him to throw the knee or something like that. Uh, I just don't really get why it, why it happened. I don't understand why the knee's illegal either. Like, I, I mean, it's like down the more... He can't defend himself. You can't just hit someone who can't defend himself. In the face. How, how, how does a ref know? What, what do you mean? How does a ref know? Because if, the, if they're saying, oh, the opponent's downed, yeah. you can't throw the knee. But more brutal stuff happens anyway. Like, I feel like more brutal things have happened that aren't illegal than this knee was. Yeah, but it's a rule. It was, it's like a stupid rule. It's a fucking cage fight. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, but like, it's, yeah. If you're getting signed up for this stuff, like it seems like quite 
quite weird to it's just it's felt like a weird line in the sand to draw <laughs> True. Like, you're like oh he's a downed opponent you can't hit him well then the fight why is the fight still going well he's just got to stand back and wait for him to get up like, yeah that, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah demetrius johnson who's basically left the company now and he probably is one of the greatest fighters of all time he commented on that fight and like he tweeted saying that well, that, it kind of just, you know, sets the precedent that if anyone's not doing well, you can just go down on the ground. And I don't think that's true. I, I don't know. He he basically said that uh, the knee should not, like, the, the, there should not be uh, an illegal knee. I think he, he said it should be allowed. I don't know. I, I think... I like, like, obviously spitting and biting and stupid stuff like that, that's not fine. But when it's like... Yeah, where where where's the line draw? Like, if you're losing, could you just sit down? And then they, then if they hit you, you win by disqualification. No, but it's you can punch the guy. I think it's a knee. So why is yeah? So that that's what that's what I mean. Like it's a really weird line in the sand to draw. Because if he grabbed him and started choking him out, would that have been allowed? I mean, yeah. Well, then surely that leads to the same thing. Because the knee's going to be a knockout. Surely a choke will lead to a pass out. Yeah, but a knockout would lead to like. A lot of damage because that's a knee. Well, so a if it says a choke, says a choke out, like you're cutting off oxygen to the brain. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's not, like it's that's not... super, that's super dangerous as well. So that's what I mean. It's like it just felt like a really weird place where UFC go, this isn't allowed. Was that like, okay? I can't knock the guy out, but if the guy was standing up and I punched him until he got knocked out, he's knocked out as well. But yeah, you're wearing gloves. You're wearing forearms gloves. So there's something there. It's a knee. It's an exposed knee. So that's kind of. Why is everyone not wearing knee pads? It's such a weird thing to allow. Because if you need him in the head, if you did one of those cool jumping knees, that's fine. And hit him in the head and knocked him out. Why is that allowed? (laughs) I don't understand why the a. I don't understand if everyone is saying he should have backed off because he was a downed opponent. Why was the fight still going? I don't understand why a knee to the head is bad, but if he did anything else, it was fine. Yeah, it's, it's it feels like there's a really weird area where Sterling's won a fight because the rules are weird. He didn't win the fight because he was the better fighter. He won it because there's a really weird grey area where UFC goes, we can't do that. Right. But there's so, uh, there's uh, so many yeah, other yeah. things Yan could have done. Like, A, he should have known the rules. I'm not yeah. saying that, but he... He lost that fight almost. He he lost it by technicality. He did. He he for sure did. So it's just I it's mean, a really weird place. We just go oh, okay, because like the commentators even straight away went they were like oh that's illegal and I was like what? <laughs> <laughs> that's where you guys decide. I just watched a guy get choked out. <laughs> like I can't knee a guy in the head. Like it's so. It just felt wrong. I feel like Yan got screwed a little bit um i mean not really because the rules are quite clear and he broke the rule so yeah, regardless then, of how when it bad comes the to rule like is. our other podcast in like football we should stop screaming whenever var screws something up because you just go oh well those are the rules like it's a dumb rule right how about you go get kneed in the face once then we see well don't sign up to be a cage fighter that's the easy thing. If you don't want to get a need in the face, don't join the UFC. Uh, yeah, that's a rule. <laughs> if it's a, I know it's a rule. What I'm saying is it, it's stupid because he could have need him in the face in numerous other. If they, you get it on the UFC video game, so I presume it happens in real life. But when people are like grappling and you're on top of the grapple and the guy's facing the other way, so you've got him in like a body hook, you can then like knee the person rapidly in the back of the head. I mean, I mean, so there's situations where you can no, knee no, someone in the face. No, you, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. This I don't think you can do that. But uh, either way, it's a bit of a gray area. And yeah, the main point is um, Sterling, again, he is the victim here, right? He is not uh, the perpetrator. But after the fight, he decides to give the interview, which is an odd move. I think, uh, especially after you've basically been knocked out, I don't think that's necessary. But he gave the interview, which is fine. It's his prerogative. After that, he decides to get on Twitter, which is also fine. Um, 
but he's also taking pictures with like other fighters. Like, okay, he took a picture with Henry Cejudo. Now, Henry Cejudo last year was the champion of this division, and he retired after winning it, after retaining the championship. And he's ba- he, he's not really retired because every few months he's tweeting like, I'll be, you know, I can beat this guy, I can beat this guy, whatever. And he decides to take a photo with Aljamain Sterling right after the fight where they're basically like posing for the belt. And that's just to create hype for maybe a potential fight between them. To me, that comes off as Sterling is already trying to go for the quote-unquote money fight against Henry Cejudo, which doesn't make sense because the money fight right now is a rematch versus Jan. Everyone cares about that right now. And it did seem a bit odd because you've just been knocked out and you decided that you do not want to fight. I'm not saying you exaggerated at all, right? For me, he was knocked out. He was the victim. His opponent basically was in the wrong. And that's where it ends. But there are other factors which kind of don't play into either person's favor. Because Jan was raising his hand when he knew that he had lost. That didn't make sense. His Apparently, Habib, who was listening to what was happening, said that Peltar Jan's uh, coaches said that uh, to knee him. But when we watched the footage, I don't think it's, it's as clear that they're saying that knee him. I don't think that really happened. So, I don't know. It's, it's a weird gray area that both these fighters are in. And the only way to kind of solve it is for them to face off. That's it. Yeah, I don't think Sterling should get a money fight. Like either because he was completely outclassed in this fight. He only won it because of a technicality. Um, ironically, um, he on like the judges' scorecards, two of them had uh, 29-28 Jan, and one of them had 29-28 Sterling. So it was it was odd because in the fourth round you could see the fight was slipping away from him. But if he made a comeback, he could potentially have won the fight. So it's odd, you know. Yeah, it was just a stupid fight. Great analysis from Nathan Greenaway. Um, So now you move on to the co-main event between Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson. This was the fight I wouldn't say I was most excited for, but this was the one I wanted to watch the most because my favorite fighter of all time is Amanda Nunes. She is incredible and i was just excited to see how she would uh you know how this fight would pan out but before the fight um you could see the height difference between uh, megan anderson and amanda nunes in uh, the pre-fight weigh-ins you could see that amanda nunes again she's recently had a child you know congratulations but I don't know. It kind of did seem like, again, it's the same thing that's happened with so many fighters, that once you uh, have a personal life, you know, a development in your personal life, you kind of maybe lose the spark in terms of your career. We've seen that sometimes. And I was kind of worried that that may happen, that she would be a little too relaxed and against maybe a taller opponent in... Uh, Megan Anderson, she might, you know, have a tough time. I don't know why I thought that, because (laughs) we have seen her be incredibly dominant. And when she entered the octagon, I was like, yeah, she's winning. She was back in the zone, the way we've seen her for years. And Megan Anderson seemed scared. And I was like, poor thing. (laughs) She's just, (laughs) she's going up against the lioness, literally. And... Yeah, the fight started, it was not even a competition. I mean, no offense to Megan Anderson. It was, uh, you know, a one-way fight. Just, Amanda Nunes is so strong. With every punch, you could just see that Megan Anderson was like, okay, this is power. And I think that happens with every single fighter that she fights, that's Nunes, that is. That when she hits you, you realize how... She's on another planet when it comes to power. And that, that was it. Just she hit her, like, I think it was like an overhand right. And that just shook 
Megan up. She basically tried to take her down, but that was never going to work. And yeah, that was basically it because then I think she went for... I think she she tried for uh, an armbar and she then had to like transition into a triangle armbar and that was it. And Amanda Nunes won. She is the greatest female fighter of all time. She's up there even as the greatest fighter of all time, period. And yeah, an incredible performance from an incredible fighter. Thoughts? Yeah, it was it was as dominant as dominant can get uh, the moment the fight started. Uh, the moment it ended shortly after, it was just one way, just absolutely steamrolled, uh, steamrolled over Anderson. And yeah, it was a great, it was a great impression. I look forward to seeing her fight. Some, uh, I don't know if they're in the same weight class as some of the other ladies that we've seen in other shows, but like, hopefully, I'd like to see her in like a proper fight with someone near her level, if there is anyone. Uh, she looked great. It was, uh, well, it was there is no one. There's literally no one on her level. There we go. Then it's, then it's done. I think the only uh, fight that makes sense at this point would be... Uh, the only fight that makes sense is Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, uh, Juliana Pina is, has called her out, which could be the next fight. But, yeah, I think she's reached the point in her career where whoever decides to call her out gets to face her. And that, yeah, maybe that's the next fight that happens. But the only fight that has any you know weight behind it is her versus valentina shevchenko because she is the champion of her own division they have faced each other twice before both times amanda nunes has won but both times it's been really close and yeah i think that's the fight you should run back see what happens there um because i think shevchenko has leveled up she is a beast of her own and this that would be the only fight that makes sense otherwise I have no idea because I don't like I don't think there's a ranking system in the featherweight division uh, for the women because yeah it's her there's nobody else and yes yeah, it's, it's insane what she's been able to achieve in her career is insane from her win against um yeah I think she'd be Ronda Rousey like 2016 and I think that's where P- everyone else like even in the mainstream audience they went okay that's Amanda Nunes and then, yeah, she just went on a mental winning streak. She's beaten everyone there is to beat. And, yeah, she is the best female fighter ever. So I feel bad for Megan Anderson. I don't think she was... Um, I don't think that was a great representation of her skills. But, yeah, maybe she... Back to the drawing board for her and get some wins again. Yeah, so that was the women's fight. Um, going into the main event now, which was... Jan Blahovic versus Israel Adesanya. Adesanya was basically moving up to light heavyweight. He did not really bulk up a lot. He was he weighed in at what 200.5 pounds, and I think on the day he was 199 something against a 205 pounder, which is a big difference. And you could just see the difference in the size. You, like Jan Blahovic, first of all, I think, okay, fine. I'll get to this point later, but what a transformation in his career. The way he's turned it around and the way he's delivering so consistently now is incredible to watch. Uh, going into this fight, again, I love Adesanya, so I was kind of rooting for him. And I thought that his acumen for fighting would, you know, lend the fight his way. He's a great counter-striker, which would basically mean that if Jan, who is an absolute monster, came at him, he would be able to evade those punches and, you know, get back uh, with his hooks, which he has done before. And I was hopeful that he would, his prowess on the feet would uh, lendify his way. However, when the fight started, you could kind of sense that Jan Blahovic is smart. He was so astute. And I think that was the turning point of this fight. Where Jan Blahovic didn't go for the knockouts. He didn't go for any aggressive plays. He didn't even go for the early wrestling. He took his time. He figured out Adesanya's range and his game. And a pattern. You kind of sense a pattern. And the first round was, in my opinion, Adesanya... Second, we would see, it was close, but I think Jan took that. 
third was all Adesanya. I think third was the most dominant round in favor of Adesanya. Um, and then, yeah, by the time the fourth round came, you could just sense that something's going to happen in terms of wrestling because if this fight stayed on the ground, Adesanya would keep picking him, keep picking up points and, you know, rounds. And at this point, you could not risk that. And, yeah, that was where Jan Blachowicz decided to go for the takedown game. But it wasn't... It was different because when it was against the cage, you could see Adesanya defend really well. And that was great to see because... As long as it's against the cage, Adesanya was able to get through all the attempts. But when it came to right in the middle of the octagon, it was an issue for him. And a beautiful timed, beautifully timed uh, takedown and basically just maintaining control for uh, the majority of the fourth qu- uh, fourth quarter, fourth, uh, fourth round. And it kind of was common knowledge that this was 2-2. And whoever wins the final round gets the fight. And the entire defensive structure for Adesanya is the lean back. Whenever those, you know, those strikes land, it was just him leaning back, which meant that he could not really sprawl or, you know, maintain defense against the takedowns. And another beautifully timed takedown in near near the halfway point of the final round. And again, total control from Jan from there. And that was it. There was nothing that Arasanya could do on the ground. And yeah, that was a win for Jan Blahovic where he kind of... I think there was a a point where fans were still weren't sure if he is, you know, a champion level fighter. He is. He he just defeated uh, one of the best fighters in the world handily and yeah the, the scorecards were awful because it was 49 45 which is insane because that means that they gave the first round to Jan and they gave the final round a 10 8 which is just utter domination which does not make sense but anyways the right man won and that was the end of an undefeated streak thoughts on the fight Nathan yeah, judging by the... I don't really know a lot about these guys. I didn't know anything really about these guys. Uh, but judging by the commentators, the commentators was, seemed like they didn't really give Jan any hope. They were yeah. super into to, uh, Adesanya. And uh, even during the fight, they were just more super into him. They didn't really give him a guy. I don't know whether they just... I don't know. It felt a little They're bit like disrespectful. They were biased, basically. I, I, I okay, again, this was a point that many people raised that, oh, such biased commentary. Which kind of was, but I get why. It's not. I don't think they were trying to sell Adesanya. I think it was more of a, you have an affinity towards someone, and regardless of, uh, you know, you trying to be unbiased, it kind of shows in the way you talk. So I think, I think that's it. Uh, I think to start off with, it's fine to be biased. If you're like, oh, here comes Jan, he's got a big job ahead of him or something against Adesanya, who's awesome. But then when you're actually watching a fight, it did kind of seem a little bit like, okay, you're, you're kind of being told. A little yeah. bit like, I don't know if there's someone in your ear, you're being told to big up this guy because this guy sells more. But uh, in terms of the fight, it kind of, judging by what everyone was saying, like the commentators and stuff about how good Adesanya was, it felt like, uh, to put it in a footballing sense for anyone else who's casual, it felt like a side going up against, on paper, a vastly superior team, but they set up perfectly to, to do what they need to do. They might not be as good a player. They might not have as good a players or anything like that. But everyone is everyone knows their job. They do it to perfection. That's kind of felt like what this guy did, judging by what everyone was saying. He just like the Manchester Derby, he, you know? Yeah, yeah, something like that. He like they, everyone just knew what they were doing and yeah knew what he had to do. He knew what he needed to stop. He knew where Adesanya was going to come from. And Adesanya like didn't have anything knew for him so it was kind of the stuff that he knew was going to happen and he did it and uh he kept going for like takedowns and stuff which was cool and he and i think he was more successful than not but yeah he won he, he seemed to have won because he had the perfect game plan and i think he's, he's probably a better fighter than the commentators were making out i felt like they were just being a bit dicks towards the end and uh yeah good good for him another uh, you'd like to see 
an upset? Um, you can call it an upset, but it wasn't really an upset because Adesanya, even though he was undefeated, was going up, and he didn't really bulk up for this fight. And for him, it, you know, he's more of a purist, so he kind of wanted to show that skill and technique can beat power, which is fine. Yeah, but what he's an idiot. I don't think he's an idiot, but I think he wasn't prepared for the fact that Jan would be so disciplined. And I don't know. I think I feel like that makes him an idiot. If you're saying like, oh, he's not prepared for the guy to like be disciplined, then like you, then you're underestimating the guy. Like, no, he must like, have known. Way- hey, I'm undefeated. He's gonna know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna prepare, prepare for that. Like if you're going in as a favorite, then. If you're saying that you just didn't prepare for that, then failing to prepare. I don't think it's more of a preparation thing. I think it was uh, the way you... Uh, yeah, it's it's tough. I think you kind of expect to do a few things with assumptions that your opponent would do certain things. And uh, you would expect Jan to be using his power, his body kicks, his wrestling more. And that really didn't happen for the most part. The wrestling came into question in the final two rounds. But early on, it was a stand-up fight. And it was quite evenly matched. And you know, I've, got, I've got some stats for you. Go on. Do you have some stats? Sure. Uh, Jan, uh, three out of five takedowns uh, from attempts. Adesanya, zero. Zero yeah. attempts. Uh, Jan landed more total strikes. Than Adesanya, so well, if you look at the stats, we look at the scorecard or anything like that. I don't know how they actually came out, but when you look at the stats, Jan was winning anyway. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was winning the fight, and I, I, again, I think there were moments in the fight where both fighters kind of gained respect for each other uh, and like their striking, because again, there was a point where Adesanya hit him with something, and from then on. For every feint, for every reaction that uh, Adesanya was trying to elicit, it basically happened. Every move was being reacted to. And I thought that would lead to more striking, more accurate strikes or like a better flow of a game plan for Adesanya. But it didn't really happen because at the same time, Jan was doing his thing. And Adesanya could never really commit to strikes because if he did, he would get knocked out. Yeah. And he's got outclassed a little bit. Not, okay, that this is gonna, yeah. not that the commentators would have you believe that. Yeah. But he he just got outdone. He got out for Jan had a plan. He stuck to the plan. He was a man with a plan. And uh, Adesanya just didn't. I don't know. He didn't really do anything different the entire fight. He didn't seem like because everyone built him up as this legend, and you've briefly touched on him before. Yeah. Like you tried to tell me about him. And uh, stuff like that. I've not listened, but they're, 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 that's different. And yeah. uh, he, he didn't really seem that great. Like I was, I felt from the way they built him up, I was like, oh shit, here we go. We got another like Nunez level fire. This is gonna be great. Yeah, and so super cool as well. He seemed like a cool guy. Adesanya's undefeated. And as the fight went on, I was like, oh, this guy does not have a plan B. Hmm. Like if the thing wasn't working, like his strikes weren't working. That was it. Because I said, like, when you strike, start working, you're about taking the fight to the ground. He didn't do that. He didn't try and do that once. No, why would so he? Like, where's the I said he would not take him to the ground. Why would he do that? He's not a wrestler. He's not going to take. Yeah, but that's what it. He, he, so he doesn't have a plan B. His plan. There is. You don't really need a plan B in this case. You when you're, you're losing. <laughs> I don't <laughs> he think said his strikes a... weren't working. So it's like, okay. So if his strikes aren't working. No, it There's wasn't nothing. like the strikes weren't working because the, if the fight would have stayed on the feet, he would have won. The problem was that he cannot really defend takedowns. That, like that was it. Yes, yeah, so there's no plan B. <laughs> the the plan. See, here's the thing. Plan B would cause his defensive game to change completely. So if but he, he was were losing to actually, the fight anyway, he was. He wasn't. Let's be honest. I think the I think the scorecards were bullshit. Right. I think the first. Two, I think in the first three rounds, I would give two to Adesanya. So going into the third round, the fourth round, sorry, the first, the, the championship rounds is where the wrestling came in. And fact is, if he were to 
like have his stance be in a way where he can defend takedowns or his his entire defensive structure would have to change which would make him more um open to getting hit and it's 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 a pick your poison thing yeah, because the then, way that's, he then that's a problem then that's a problem if he can't you just said he can't wrestle uh he couldn't out wrestle the fight but he's facing a guy who can take it to the ground then he's got to do something different with his strikes and try and take over that's what i'm saying he he, he seemed like he, that was it for him his striking and everything was it whereas yan had a lot more in his locker okay so let me say this right this will be a controversial take and people may disagree but i don't think there is any way any way that arasanya could beat yan behovich in any universe it didn't look like it because it's such a it's a, such a difficult matchup because he doesn't have the strength in my opinion, okay, this is I could just be bullshitting, right? But I don't think he has the physical strength to knock out someone like Jan, unless he really catches him with, you know, a counter strike, which is possible. Yeah. So I, I think that's. Seem like, he seems like he's undefeated because he's faced the right people. I think, okay, I think he has an aura about him, and I think any elite fighter, any like upper echelon fighter, has an aura about themselves, and. Every time you would see fighters get drawn into his game, which is basically you come and try and hit him. And when you try and hit him, he will counter and hit you hard. That's what he's done time and time again. And he tires people out because they are the ones going at him. He's a he's a he's basically a counter fighter. And you've seen fighters not go up against him and just wait for him to attack, and that fight's boring as hell. Like the one against Yuar Romero, basically nothing happened. Both fighters were waiting for the other to hit, and they were just waiting. I'm telling you, that's one of the most incredible main events. I'm like, what's going on? Nothing happened in that fight. Um, so, yeah, it's tough. But I think that does kind of make him susceptible to future game plan changes. Because now people know he is fallible. People know that there is a way to beat him, and that is takedowns. And, again, the, the fight's coming up. You will have fighters like Marvin Vittori. Who could face him next and he's beaten marvin vittori before but this time it will be a different game because you'll see vittori basically take the fight to the ground and hold him down and yeah. i think this could really open up a lot of avenues where you could see him losing in his own division which would kind of suck because i like seeing i like seeing him uh, you know play out his game which is beautiful um tough it was a tough fight for him and he really needs to figure out how to balance the way he defends, which is basically leaning back and evading strikes. But when you lean back, basically you're leaving yourself open for takedowns. So you kind of have to find a balance. And that's what he needs to work on. And in my absolute novice opinion. So, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's rubbish, that's what we're saying. <laughs> Not at all. But, yeah, this was... Uh, an interesting card. You had a little bit of everything. You had domination. You had upsets. You had controversy. And yeah, a, an interesting card. Uh, yeah, I think it delivered. I think it was a great card. Um, but yeah, that would be uh, all for the card. I'll ask you again, Nathan. Who gets the Mackenzie Dern Award? Uh, I think it's got to be it's got to be Jan uh, Blakovich. Is that how you say his name? I don't know, but sorry for that. I'm going to give it to him. He he came with a plan. His plan worked to perfection. Uh, the commentators were were dicks to him. Right. And the uh, yeah, and I think he pulled it off. Pulled it off in the main event. What more can you? What more do you need from the guy? Sure. Uh, he did well. Close second is is probably Nunes. Fair. Uh, just for sheer domination. But I'm going to give it to Jan just because. He, he went up against someone who was built up to be like this icon and he yeah. just kind of systematically broke him down. True. Uh, again, couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, I think he, after his loss to Thiago Santos in 2019, he has just turned it around. And what an elevation. I think a beautiful knockout of Luke Rockhold, which is like in the highlight reels everywhere. Then against Jacare Souza, then you had Corey Anderson, Dominic Reyes for winning the championship. 
And then Zula Adesanya, I mean, he has turned up. So, you know, props to the man. And, yeah, a great card uh, with a little bit of everything. And I think that'll be all. Do you have anything to add to the card? No. There you go. Um, thank you all for tuning in. I think that was... I think we covered everything on the main card, for the most part. Um, okay, Nathan, you can go plug yourself. Yeah, you can find me at Nathan Greenaway on Twitter. You can hear me regularly on Rogue Opinions at Rogue underscore Opinion. Uh, on Project Dits, talking football. Uh, that's at Project D-I-T-S every week on my show plus at a time. Uh, my other podcast, it's a comedy scripted podcast called That Ain't Sport. The second episode just went out. You can find it at That Ain't Sport or That Ain't Sport or wherever uh, you listen to your podcast. It'll be there. I say the second episode just went up. So give it a listen if you want. But otherwise, thank you very much. Great. Uh, you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, uh, the conventional line. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TC9Podcast. You can check out our website, uh, theconventionalline.com, for articles and more. I recently posted one on the, the almost like a human aspect of fighting. Um, so, yeah. Go check that. Go check that out. I think it's okay. Let me know what you think. And yeah, thank you all for tuning in. And we'll be back for UFC 260, which let me check. I have no idea what the card is. Oh, it is uh, Steve Miocic versus Francis Ngannou, which will be incredible. So yeah, tune in for that. And we'll be back soon. Thank you all for tuning in. Bye.